0: I got a new life You would hardly recognize me I'm so glad How could a person to a new episode of Becoming Chiron, the key to unlocking healing and personal alchemy with me, your hostess, Ursula Duffy. I have a jam-packed episode planned for today and I'm very excited about all of the really cool synchronicities that have revealed themselves to me in just episode to episode and theme to theme. It is Friday, October 13th, and I hit the record button at one eleven p.m. here on the East Coast in Atlantic City, New Jersey. This is the 31st episode of the podcast, so ones and threes abound, and they have actually been some repeating numbers for me in all different forms for several months now, so I just think that that's really cool synchronicity number one that I wanted to share and Friday the 13th has just become such a special day to me over the last several years. I shared all about the last day I had in the corporate world. My last day of work was happened to be Friday the 13th um, back in August of 2021. And we've had a couple Friday the 13th since then. So it's just uh, a day to honor the goddess and really learn about shedding the things we've been taught about the number 13 and all that stuff it's just not true today is the day of the goddess 13 is a wonderful number and i invite everybody to do a little bit of research on their own about the truth behind the numbers and the day rather than the bs that we've all been fed so i flipped the script in my own life a long time ago and i love 13 i love today And I'm just so excited to be recording this today. And I have a lot to talk about. So, as we always do, we'll start with today's astro weather check. We are on the eve of a super intense solar eclipse tomorrow, which I'll talk about first. And I shared in the last episode that I was recording that one before my birthday. My birthday was last week on Friday. I've shared that in season one when I talked about my own chart. I was born on October 6th of 1980. So I wanna get into some solar return sharing. I've been working with my solar return charts now for several years since I learned about them back in astrology school. And I just feel called to share about how the chart materialized in my personal year last year. And I do wanna share a little bit about the chart that I have for this year So we'll get into that after the astro weather check. And then in also perfect synchronicity, we are caught up on our Chiron and the sign topics with the zodiac season. So today will be all about Chiron and Libra, which is so fitting. We're in Libra season. This potent solar eclipse tomorrow is a new moon in Libra. There's a lot of energy in Libra right now. We have a stellium going on one or three planets and or one or three or more planets in one sign. So we will get into all of that as well. But I'm excited to talk about Libra energy. I'm a Libra sun, so just uh, lots of divine timing behind all of that as well. And I'm excited to share. And we'll we'll touch on Libra, Chiron and Libra in Barbara's book. We will do the Black Moon Astrology deck card for Libra. And then I'm going to do a general card pull for everybody for this energy. Once again, from my Peace Warrior deck, which I think is just important energy to call in and remember with the energies that we're under right now. So let's get into tomorrow's solar eclipse. I am looking at the chart, and (laughs) in astrology software, when you look in the middle of the circle, it shows lines that represent the aspects between planets, which is pretty much just the energetics present, and red is usually used for Aspects or energies that are more challenging, like squares, like we talk about a lot in this podcast. And I see a lot of red in this chart for tomorrow. It is unusually intense, and there are many layers and depths to that intensity. So I just want to remind everybody that, as I've discussed on this podcast many times before, We have a T-square aspect going on, and I'll get into the details of that in a moment. But fortunately, with this T-square tomorrow, we do have a blow-off point. So that would be the empty side of the square. And that's the sign of cancer. So first and foremost, if you're feeling all of this, if you're feeling triggered by anything that's coming up, if you're feeling that... It's just all a little too much right now, which it is with everything we have going on collectively, especially on the global stage. Cancer is, we've covered this sign already. It's the maternal energy. It's the energy of just kind of wanting to be home and protected, nurturing with food potentially, or just being near close friends and family if you wanna be around anybody at all. That is our pressure release valve under this energy. So if you're feeling called to things like that, it's for a reason that will help relieve some of the intensity if that's what you're feeling. So being at home tomorrow is perfectly fine. If you that's what you want to do, it's a Saturday. It's usually a day or a day of rest any anyway. If you have like a typical nine to five schedule. So it's ruled by the moon. And if you just want to be home and isolate a little bit over the weekend, that's okay. And I actually encourage it. As I've taught about eclipses many times on this podcast already, they are usually like portals. Energies are potent. There's a lot of energy swirling that we're not, you know, exposed to all the time throughout the year. So it is a time to just, if you're feeling called, especially go within, protect yourself, protect your energy. And if that's what you're feeling called to do, like I said, it's for a reason. Because we're in that space on the other side of the intense square energy that is just all about nurture anyway the eclipse tomorrow will be here on the east coast at 1:55 p.m it is a total solar eclipse but it's one of the more potent ones it's the one commonly referred to as the ring of fire i think the last one of these we had was uh like maybe June of 21 with that solar eclipse that rose. You see, I'm sure you saw pictures of it. It was partial on the East Coast, but it uh, it was super intense. And if you saw pictures of it throughout the world where it was visible, it's called a ring of fire because the moon doesn't quite cover the sun completely, even though it is a total solar eclipse. And it gets this ring of, it looks like a ring of fire around it. I'll, I'll put a picture um, in my post that I do about it and in the email that I'll send out so you can see what it looks like but this eclipse will be visible in parts of the United States the website that I always recommend for looking up the swath and the path and the time is timeenddate.com so if you were in parts of the U.S. western parts of the U.S. in particular that you can actually see this that could be pretty cool if the weather is clear and it's visible for you so I will include that resource in the episode notes so the new moon is exact at 1:55 p.m. here on the East Coast, like I said. But the time frame of the eclipse starts hours on the other side. It starts hours on the other side, like the you know before one o'clock, and then after it'll be over. So there's many many hours that are involved in the eclipse actually happening. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, but that information will also be on timeanddate.com. They have it's a wonderful resource and it's really really detailed and precise and location-based, like I said. So what we have going into this eclipse and why it is so intense is we have, first and foremost, a square from Pluto. We've talked about Pluto many, many times on this show, especially in season one. So I will include a link to, in the related episodes section, the one that I did about the mighty squares which I talked about the Pluto and Neptune squares that happen concurrently with the Uranus opposition. And Pluto is just intense energy. And it really is in how we work with it because this is the energy of transformation. Think of the lotus flower. Think of snakes shedding their skins. Think of life, death, rebirth cycles. My teacher always referred to Pluto as a Buddha incognito. Pluto forces us to into these cycles in our lives and into this energy for a reason. It's regenerative, it's purifying. But we have to really be able to look in those places that are usually hidden and dark. Not and then dark not in a bad way. It's just we're not taught to look into the unconscious parts of ourselves or into the subconscious parts of ourselves this is that deep psychological work that gets associated with like Carl Jung and that kind of stuff this is archetype language this is the unseen realms unseen energies so <clears throat> Pluto forces us to dig deep into those spaces And it will be happening for everybody in a different part of your chart. So knowing where Libra is, knowing on the other side where Aries is, knowing where Capricorn is, that's where we have the T-square, Pluto in Capricorn at 27 degrees, sun, moon, for the new moon slash solar eclipse at 21 degrees. So the eclipse is at 21 degrees of Libra. And then on the other side of that is Aries. That's why I say the blowout point is Cancer, because that is the other cardinal sign. So with that square from Pluto, I always talk about squares as like threshold experiences, uh, initiation to an extent, and they're to be worked with in that way. And they bring forth a gritty energy because it's like a shit or get off the pot type of feeling. So wherever you're at in your path, especially if you know where that, these spaces are in your own chart, that's where to look for <clears throat> themes that might be coming up for you collectively it's all going to work in the same way we have what we just had the it only happens twice a year so there's a lot of things that only happen occasionally during the year with this eclipse as well so for starters like I said it's a square from Pluto and what I mean by that is sun moon square Pluto but also and I've mentioned this before it's been going on for a while now with Pluto in the late degrees of Capricorn, with the nodes when they changed signs back in July, Pluto's been squaring the nodes for a very long time. Whenever a planet squares the nodes, it's like a repeating lesson that comes up for us to dig deep and honor those squares and cross the threshold, be the initiate, face the challenge, come on the other side with some kind of growth personal revolution, transformation in some way. So these are, it's not easy energy to contend with, especially when we're dealing with the nodes of the moon on top of the square with the sun and the moon. And Mercury's in Libra now as well. Mercury's within 10 degrees of the square also. So I I consider that part of the energy too. And Mercury is invisible right now. So anything that comes up around communication, perspective might feel a little hidden at the moment just because the planet is invisible. Mercury is moving at top speed right now on the other side of the sun, going from a morning star to an evening star, and then we'll have another Mercury retrograde at the end of this year. So Mercury is involved with this eclipse as well. The other thing to note with this is it's a south node eclipse. And what that is, is a point of release. So with Libra energy, we'll get more into it when we talk about Libra with the Chiron content, but it's commonly balance, harmony, aesthetics, peace. Think of release of peace um, personally, what needs to be released in order to make you feel more at peace, but also look what's happening on the global stage right now. There is not peace in the world so it's up to us to be the peace. So I want to add that element into it as well. Libra is also very much about justice and legal matters and fairness and equilibrium. And it gets a bad rap as far as being indecisive. I also being a Libra sort of consider what's really behind that quote-unquote indecision. And it's just having the ability to see things from all different angles and sides. And there's an the analytical process that goes into that. So rather than indecision, I'd say more like a delay of decision. When someone's asking for something right away, it's a little bit hard because our tendency is to consider all things and consider all sides. So that equality and that equilibrium, like I say, there, that's always a delicate balance and that goes into this energy as well. And the sun, I want to mention this too, the sun is said to be quote-unquote exalted in the sign of Aries. So whenever we have a planet opposite a sign that it rules or opposite a sign of its exaltation, it's said to be quote-unquote fallen or whatever. I'm not crazy about that term it's just kind of in a space where it doesn't function at its optimal level with Libra it's partnerships it's relationships it's how we find balance in those things and sometimes the tendency can be to people please or to give our power away to the other and the lesson there is learning how to put yourself first So we have a lot of Libra energy with Mercury, the sun and the moon, but it's also the south node, remember. So that's a point of release. So things to consider with all of this, where, what, what can you release from your life from a very conscious place, but also a very subconscious place, sun, moon, new moon, that is not bringing you peace. Where are things out of balance in your life? And this will be very specific based on where it's happening in your chart. Where are things out of balance? What can you do differently? Uh, last podcast episode, I talked about how it will be some kind of some form of action. So, taking action steps, laying out some kind of plan for yourself personally to address whatever is coming up and whatever needs to be released. Because Mars is still very involved in this energy as well. Mars just changed signs. I think it was the 12th yeah Mars moved into Scorpio yesterday from Libra which is a sign that it's not quite happy in either because it's opposite Aries which is a sign that it rules so we had a lot of I'm not saying it's negative energy it's just there's more effort involved in the function and trying to figure out kind of how what what this is all working in you what what is it whispering to you what have you been feeling on a really deep level that needs to be addressed. And Mars is now in a sign that it rules. It's in Scorpio. And before it moved, it had its one of two times of the year square to Pluto. And right around that time is when things really erupted on the global stage. So when Mars and Pluto connect, it's usually some kind of power dynamic, power play. It usually brings out... The ugliness in things, you know, people that maybe are very unhealed or the shadow comes to the surface in not the highest vibration way It is very much associated with the energy of war. So astrologically, it was timed in a very synchronistic way, but it's bringing up all these things to the surface, and that's how eclipses work anyway. They bring, like I said, unseen things to the surface to shine light on them, to shed light on them, to be addressed. And the themes here are releasing things that take away from peace. It, very interesting what's all happening. And then right now, like I said, the eclipse will be at 21 degrees, so it's not quite exactly square Pluto, but the sun is moving into that position within the next week. The moon will, after the eclipse, as the moon moves a lot faster. The moon squares Pluto often every month. So that energy is something we're commonly dealing with on a monthly basis, but the sun only squares Pluto twice a year as well, just like Mars. So that brings up things like personal power, power dynamics, especially in relationships. So all these things are brewing and have been. Eclipse season started, like I said, when I did the last episode with the full moon and Aries. So we have all that Libra energy, all of those planets squaring Pluto on that side, The nodes of the moon, like I said, they're always opposite each other. So right now, the south node's at 25 degrees of Libra and the north node is on the other side at 25 degrees of Aries. Chiron's also involved in this eclipse. Chiron is right now at 17 degrees of Aries. Very close to the north node, opposite the sun and the moon and the south node and Mercury. Mercury tomorrow during the eclipse will be at 17 degrees of Libra. So there's a deep undercurrent of healing involved with this eclipse as well around all the themes that I've already mentioned so we bring that energy into this as well consider where whatever is coming up for you where how that relates to your own personal healing journey as well and in healing your identity and in healing learning how to put yourself first and take care of your needs like it's the whole thing with when you're on an airplane put your mask on first that energy Also trailblazing energy, being a leader. That is where we get pulled into the Aries dynamic on the other side of all this. This eclipse will be ruled by Venus. Actually, both eclipses. So the one tomorrow and then the one in Taurus at the full moon later in the month. Venus just shifted signs. Venus was in Leo. We talked about this many episodes. Venus was in Leo since early June. That's why the Venus retrograde occurred from mid-July until early September. So many themes I've already discussed around heart healing, healing in relationships, putting yourself first, bringing out your creativity, dropping into your heart space, healing from past relationships or anything that was bubbling up during that time We're past the post-retrograde shadow period at this point. So with Venus changing signs, there's a big shift in that energy just in general because Venus spent four months in the sign of Leo. But here we have another planet in quote unquote fall. Uh, Venus is said to be exalted in the sign of Pisces. Venus in Virgo, not so thrilled. (laughs) Venus just wants to love and connect. And as I always mentioned, Venus, like in summary is our connection to everything we love and value So Venus being the ruler of this eclipse, definitely still time to work on whatever came up during the retrograde. That is our duty at this point, especially with all of this energy coming on the heels of the end of the Venus retrograde and also Venus changing signs. In the sign of Virgo, we talked about Virgo last time. I'll put a link to last episode and the episode notes for this show as well. Virgo is very focused on health, purity. It's associated with the goddess energy, the maiden. And with Venus there, it pulls all of this into more perspective. There's more energy there. And one of the things with Venus and Virgo is being too idealistic in our relationships or perfection, just like looking for that perfect partner maybe is one way to look at it. And just knowing with Virgo energy, I always make sure to mention that We are perfectly imperfect perfection does not exist equilibrium is a process our virgo parts relate a lot to our processes alchemical processes things that happen beneath the surface that help us function on in an ideal way like equilibrium is the thing that's really coming up right now and venus is right now opposite saturn so Saturn has a lot to say in this eclipse as well. Saturn is sending, one of the blue lines I see in the energetics in this chart is a trine to Mars. So um, the elements send harmonious flow of energy to each other. So we have Saturn at zero degrees of Pisces and sending supportive flow of energy to Mars at one degree of Scorpio in this energy as well. Those two, all the planets that we have right now that are really saying something with this eclipse, having this conversation, they're all asking us to dig deep and do the work. And that's usually something that's part of the process anyway, but you might feel this more intensely if there's been something you've been putting off or avoiding or a repeating lesson that you've been ignoring. And however that looks for you, it's probably rearing its head in a big way right now. So there's that. And the other thing that I wanted to mention about Pluto is Pluto just stationed. So we had Pluto retrograde for a while, and I think since June, maybe. And when a slower moving planet stations, it sits, it's just sat at 27 degrees of Capricorn until November 1st. So I said maybe last episode or the one before when we talked about the Virgo new moon, Do not underestimate the power of a stationing planet. So when we have anything like that at a standstill, the process is a little bit slower. The energy is a little bit stagnant, but it's just like sitting there pulsing, screaming at us to do everything I just mentioned. So that's the way that that works. And I wanted to mention also, one of the best ways to work with eclipses is to go back in time. So not only paying attention to what's happening now, what's brewing, especially what's falling away, what's being eclipsed out of your life, go back in time because these repeat. The eclipses will be in in the same signs based on where the nodes of the moon are roughly every nine to 18 and a half years. So this is how they work. So reflect go back to what was happening in your life so the eclipses would have been in the same signs the nodes of the moon were in the same signs late 2004 to mid 2006 so that could be helpful that could be a time frame to look back on and think hmm what's coming up now that was maybe something that was happening then as well and then they would have been flipped nine years ago so north node in libra south node in aries roughly spring of 2014 until late of 2015. So that's how, that's one helpful way to work with this and to sort of kind of put the pieces together to see what's coming up for you at this time. I don't wanna get too into the weeds with this. There's some other energetics at play with this eclipse. I think that that is good enough for now. I also want to mention another helpful way to deal with this and, and, you know, think about working with the energy is if you're of the Pluto and Libra generation, Um, like I said, this eclipse is happening at 21 degrees, so if you have Pluto and Libra, you were born between 1971 and 1984, towards the later time frame, like right around 1980 and after you have Pluto in the later degrees of Libra. So this eclipse will be on your Pluto probably, or within very close degrees. This eclipse will be on my, my natal Pluto is at 21 degrees. So I'll get into that when I share more about the solar return charts. But this is important for those of you that have this. This is important for anybody with natal placements in Libra or in any of the cardinals, any of the other cardinal signs. So Cancer, Aries, Capricorn as well. So pay attention pay very particular attention to where you're really being called to dig deep wanted to mention that as well okay so yeah there's um overarching themes of just maybe even things that feel like destiny to an extent we have a couple aspects that relate to that energy there's a lot there's a lot going on right now with this energy for sure but like I said, we had Venus change signs, we had Mercury change signs recently, we had Mars change signs, so there's a different, you know, the different energies that we've been in for a little while, there's a shift there too, so that might feel like a breath of fresh air to an extent in working with it. Okay, so that is tomorrow's eclipse, and solar eclipses are just like new moons on steroids, but remember of trying to forgo the ceremony just really just pay attention we did our October soul broadcast the topic that the theme the topic the title that we picked after I looked at the charts for the eclipses was is maintaining balance during eclipse season and we all wrote about eclipses and my portion of it is just kind of instructional just a little review about what eclipses are, and I include everything I mentioned as far as time frames to go back to and things like that. Um, yeah, so that could be a helpful resource as well. That is our monthly collaborative blog post that we do, and it could be a helpful guide for you at this time. Mandy contributed paying attention to what gets eclipsed out and finding balance in that and how to work with it. Jess shared all about her story connecting with dragon energy. I share a little bit about that too. And she's offering these gorgeous, incredible, personal orgone energy dragon pieces that she creates by connecting with your personal dragon, which is really cool. (laughs) And I have one in the works and I'm so excited for it. So we have that offering as well to help you with this energy And Lexi shared some poetry and the total eclipse of the heart song, which was great. And she talked about how she works with this energy as well. So that could be an awesome resource to help everybody in addition to however, wherever you get your information and how you're deciding to work with this energy anyway. In your own chart, if you know your own chart, that's always helpful, like I say. So, yeah, whew, intense. (laughs) Okay, so let's, I just want to share, take some time to share a little bit about solar returns. Solar returns are really fun to work with. They, in summary, give you a preview of the energy of your personal year ahead. Solar return, by definition, is when the sun returns to the exact degree and minute of where it was when you were born doesn't always happen on your actual birthday, but mine this year was not. And it's interesting because just with the way, just the the, time, the divine timing and all the things that go behind the planetary cycles, sometimes you'll see that reflected in your solar return chart where you'll have like, for me this year, I had a Venus return. So I have my sun in Libra and my Venus in Virgo, and on my birthday, they were right around the same positions that they were in when I was born. And you'll see that happen year to year. Certain planets will come back as well as the sun to this to the degree, almost to the degree and position that they were in when you were born in your natal chart. So it's really cool to work with just to see that and how those work on different cycles and throughout the years. But the most important thing in a solar return chart is where the sun is. And then there are other, two other things that Go into it. One is called your annual perfection, which is what house of your chart gets activated depending on your age. And then there's a sub part of that called your time lord, and your time lord for your personal year ahead is the planet that rules the house that gets activated. So, this, and the planets need a little bit different things. In solar return charts, it's just what's called a subsidiary chart. There's solar return charts, there's lunar return charts. Really, really fun and cool things to work with. Just kind of going, you know, month to month throughout your life, year to year, and the accuracy. So this is important as well. We you need ac- accurate birth information. So date, time, location are necessary, and they're also dependent on location. So where you are on your birthday or at the time of your actual solar return. I know a couple people who chase their solar return charts around the globe so they'll look around and see where and make sure that they're in a place where the solar return chart is best. I don't really work with it that way. I feel like I don't know if that's cheating. I'm not sure, but <laughs> I uh I don't do that. It could be fun to work with one year maybe. I'll see, but it's generally not my practice. I'm just sort of at, I am where I am where I'm called to be and the chart is what it is and you know, that's it. I work with it. So I think I've been working with these since like 2019. Like I said, since I was in astrology school and it's profound. And I just want to talk a little bit about last year's chart and how that materialized. And then just share a little bit about the super intense solar return chart I have for this year. So last year, my solar return was on my birthday it was october 6th at 10:40 p.m. and i always pay attention to the rising sign in these that's just become part of my personal practice and the overall ruler of the chart in addition to my time lord so last year my the sun like i said that's the most important thing was in the fourth house of the chart it's a cancer rising chart so ruled by ruled by the moon, sun in the fourth house, and Venus was also present in the fourth house. The very interesting thing was throughout my whole last personal year, I was challenged to show up as my authentic self in many situations where I could have chosen other. I was Pressured by some other people to waver, to people please, to not honor what was coming up for me. So that was present and that's very important. And I've shared on this podcast a lot in the first season that my North Node was in the fourth house. So one of my biggest soul's growth life lessons is to just be me. So that was interesting. Fourth house also relates to home and family. There was the remnants of Ian that came through last year around my birthday. So there were definitely some challenges at home with potential damage and things that were happening during the remnants of that storm. So that was something that materialized like right away. A lot of times you can start feeling the energy that's coming in for your solar return before the solar return actually happens. At least I've noticed that myself. The other thing, the other layer to this. So that was the sun. Um, ruled, like I said, cancer rising. So ruled by a Pisces moon. So it was definitely a personal year of sinking deeply into my intuition. My dreams were, and so are, I mean, they're, this is usually something that's been present throughout my entire life, but the dreamscape, Of last year was very, very vivid. Lots and lots of messages, lots of precognitive dreams. So, Pisces relates very much to that energy. And then, just generally, like the whole energy of it being ruled by the moon, there, I I just had to really go with the flow the last October to October of this year. Like, there were so many things that came up. 2022 was an incredibly challenging year with relationships in general. And having that adaptability part of it be there and learning how to surrender to things and go with the flow were definitely key themes of the entire year. The other thing that I want to mention is the annual perfection, Time Lord, and also the placement of Pluto in my solar return chart last year. It was in the seventh house. And Pluto in the seventh can be a bit challenging because it pulls in those relationships and the transformation capacity that we have when we are relating to other, when we are releasing other, where we where our personal power sits in our relationship dynamics. So that all definitely came to the surface and forced me to dig deep and not compromise on a lot of things. I was also in a seventh house annual perfection. So that's what happens at age forty-two. That's where that's where you're at as far as the annual perfection wheel goes. So that is based on your natal chart. And for that last year, that made my time lord the planet Mars. I have like I've shared. I'm a Taurus rising, so my seventh house is Scorpio on the other side of that, and I have Mercury, Venus, and not Venus, Mercury, Uranus, and Mars all in that space of my chart. So the strengthening of, yet also severing of, personal relationships was a huge, huge theme. And like I've already said, listening to my intuition about things, really sinking deep and honoring what I was feeling and what I wanted out of things and just doing the right thing in a lot of it and letting things and people especially fall away. And in those processes, strengthening the relationships in my life where the people were there for my highest good. Uncanny how it all played out, unfolded, and really switched on, came online like right around my birthday last year. So that was last year's solar return. And that materialized, not saying it was easy, (laughs) really challenging year in general even the energy of the solar return from before that. Um, But this is how it works. This is how we just have that trust and what what we're here to do and the lessons that we've set up for ourselves in our nail charts. And it was all there. It was all in perfect divine timing as well. And on the other side of it, definitely a lot stronger personally, but also the relationships that were there to stay way way stronger so and showing up as my authentic self in all those challenging situations felt really good on the other side of it that 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 was my (laughs) more of my initiation and those were more of my threshold moments so if you don't work with your solar returns I highly recommend it you can pull them up yourself I do offer those readings and I love doing them they're just so much fun and I call them the Sun's return. And I'll share a special coupon code for anybody listening. I think it's twenty. I forget the amount. I apologize. I'll put it in the episode notes. But if you use code Solar Return and book a Solar Return reading with me, that's special savings that I offer, I'll offer just to my listeners here, as a as my token of gratitude just for tuning in. So this year's solar return is very interesting and I did definitely already start feeling the energy of this coming through and in before my birthday. So this year, my solar return was actually on October 7th at 5.34 a.m. here in Atlantic City. I was in Atlantic City for my birthday last year as well. And this <laughs> this year's chart is intense. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Um, yeah, there's a lot of... There's a grand cross, uh, grand square, cardinal cross, and what that means is there are planets squaring each other in all the cardinal signs. So the energy that I already talked about with this eclipse is there already. Uh, Pluto squaring the nodes, and then I have I have a joiner on the other side for my solar return chart, and that it's like the, the moon in Cancer. So I went from a Cancer rising solar return chart for last year's personal year to a Cancer moon this year. Interesting. And this Grand Cross energy is interesting because it, it's Pluto opposite the moon, both of those squaring the nodes. Mars is very close to the south node it was last week when this happened. so. Lots and lots of Libra energy, four planets in Libra, one pl- quote unquote planet being the South Node. And it's gonna be interesting. I it's ruled, it's a Virgo rising chart. So the chart ruler is Mercury. And I've shifted into now an eighth house annual perfection. So for me, that's Sagittarius, and the ruler of that, my time lord for this year is Jupiter. Interestingly enough, if you had a reading with me, you, you know I work with the what's called the dashas. I'm in a Jupiter dasha as well, so I feel like Jupiter will be a bit of my silver lining energy in dealing—not dealing—I don't want to put it like that—but in working with this and helping it contribute to my growth and expansion in some way, my spirituality. I have a lot of placements in the very unconscious you know, quote unquote shadowy places, the liminal spaces of the chart, North Node and and Aries on the other side, Sun in the second house in Libra, Chiron in the eighth house as well, and Venus at 28 degrees, so just clearing the post-shadow retrograde in the 12th house in Leo. So I already ordered myself another new Oracle deck, and it's time for me to swim in the unconscious a little bit and see what this is all about. So I'm pretty excited. Pluto is in the fifth house in this chart. So I'm already feeling, trying to tap into my creativity in a different way. That's fifth house. We've already covered fifth house in this podcast in last season. It's the house of fun. It's the house of connection to our creativity, our muse, and things that we birth into the world. So I'm already feeling that. Definitely already feeling that. And Pluto opposite the moon in general can be very, very intense energy. So I'm just trying to see what the, I'm, I'm really interested in exploring and seeing what this is all about. I see writing on the horizon a little bit more. It's at, like I said, a Vir- Virgo horizon chart, Mercury is the ruler. So that puts my 10th house base in Gemini for this year ahead. So I'm really excited about that as well. And the sun's in the second. So that pulls in my sense of self-confidence, self-esteem, but also resources. And one of the things that I've been really feeling over the last month, I'd say, is not putting my energy or efforts into things that I feel like are a waste of my time. And Second house is resources on levels of finances, but also thinking of your time as one of your greatest resources. And it's also values. So I'm feeling that percolating in in my natal chart. My Libra space is my sixth house. So that's where this eclipse is happening for me. And I'm really feeling that I need to make some changes on a day-to-day level. Sixth house is day-to-day. It's habits. It's health. It's keeping your body running at an optimal level. So not wasting my time on things that don't matter anymore or that I don't feel like there's a reciprocity in the energy. There's Libra for you again. Um, Definitely feeling a lot of that, making efforts to shed, but also letting it fall away. And there are some very specific things that I'm going to be changing. Not really wanting to share that too much here, but yeah, just new ways of doing things that light me up more rather than things that I feel are a drain. So that's that energy. And I'm excited. It's, I looked at it initially and I was like, holy crap. But there is lots of trying energy in in this too there's a ton of yods i've talked about yods on this podcast before the one that i have in my natal chart it's like destiny energy to an extent so i'm uh i'm looking forward to it and looking forward to the the Chiron aspects too and the the healing elements involved and just really getting in touch with those parts of myself that i don't pay too much attention to so Just wanted to share all of that. I felt this was a good time and just after my birthday and I haven't shared about solar returns on the show before. So yeah, work with your solar return. It's pretty awesome. If you have a birthday coming up, it's an ideal time. If you just had a birthday, you can still work with it. It's not like it's too late. And like I said, I'm available. I've got that offering right on the website and I'll put a link to it in the episode notes. Okay, Kyron. Let's get into our Chiron content for today. If you are new here, I read and teach in episode in seasons two and this one from Barbara Han Clow's Chiron: the Rainbow Bridge between the Inner and Outer Planets book. And last season was all about Chiron through the houses. This season is all about Chiron through the signs. And like I said, today we'll be covering Chiron and Libra. So I read parts from this. I kind of skip over a lot of the very specific references to the research with people that she did to write this book. If you want to know more, just get the book. It's still available on her website and many other websites. And we'll, again, read from the Black Moon Astrology deck. We'll read from the Libra card for today to learn a different perspective and more information about Libra energy. And just remember, like I always say, it is an oracle deck, so it reads like the information in the guidebook reads like an oracle deck. So I'll skip over specific things if I don't feel they're relevant when it talks about pulling the card with another spread. And then, like I said, we'll close out with my, um, I'll do a reading from the Peace Warrior deck. So Chiron content, Contact. Chiron and Libra. So these are the date ranges if you were born. I think I'm going to skip over the ones for people that are no longer alive. Uh, Actually, you know what? No, I won't, because it could be relevant to anyone listening that does research. So she starts off each part of this, these sections with, if you were born in these times, you're born with Chiron and Libra. So if you were born October 11th, 1894 to October 7th of 1896, November 19th of 1944 through March 24th of 1945. July 23rd, 1945 through November 10th of 1946. September 9th, 1995 through December 29th, 1996. April 6th, 1997 through September 3rd of 1997. And this is what Barbara says. When Chiron is in Libra, the native is, is balancing the self in relationship to the other side. Understanding of self is garnered by looking at oneself in the mirror, which is offered by other people. These natives are trying to balance elements to make order out of chaos, and they only know themselves by the degree of harmony they observe in others. No matter how much this native claims to be on his or her own, In reality, this person is measuring him or herself by others' responses almost constantly. On the low side, the sense of self is undeveloped and the individual craves constant new experience. On the high side, this individual has a truly remarkable understanding of him or herself that has come from observing others. Consequently, this native may possess great artistic skill. As with Virgo, Chiron is only in Libra for 20 months during the processional phase, and the faculty for knowing oneself in others is not well understood. In fact, these natives require strong relationships with plenty of feedback to get in touch with who they are. The first to seventh house polarity involves trying to stretch the self and the self in relationship to others as far as possible. Just as Chiron in the seventh house favors Saturn control over Uranian transformation, because relating to the other side is so complex at this time, so does Chiron in Libra cause Saturn fixation. In fact, my clients have demonstrated strong fixations on the ruling ruling parent from childhood. The power of Saturn over those who have Chiron and Libra can be observed physiologically, and often these natives seem very old for their years. Often they require relationships just to exist, yet their relationships bind them until they experience Kundalini release at their Uranus opposition. As I studied 13 charts with Chiron and Libra and visualized each client, I felt constriction in my shoulders and air loss in my lungs. Thinking about their lives thus far, I saw their pathways of struggling to be, to breathe as they were smothered in relationships which could not let go until they had grown. And then I have seen them smile. The house position of Chiron and Libra reveals the nature of this native's journey into finding the other side. Um, this is very specific examples. Um, okay, so relating to others is the primary form of learning for these natives. There could be karmic situations, she talks about those, burning off karma in relationships for people with Chiron and Libra. These natives can be assisted when trying to figure out how conscious they are of justice and all human relations. Those who are involved in taking advantage of other people are in grave danger at this time when each one of us is given the opportunity to intensify our connection with the cosmos and heal the earth as we heal ourselves. Very interesting. She says past life therapy can be helpful to People who maybe be overindulged in negative karmic relationships. So she says effort needs to be made to keep people with Chiron and Aries conscious of their actions with others. So that's what Barbara says about Chiron and Libra. Mm-hmm. And then we'll get to the card. So from the Black Moon Astrology deck. The Libra card. Hmm. Pretty beautiful. It's a painting of a person. Looks like, looks like female, I guess. And there's like other people kind of in the background, other faces. And it just looks like a release. And the message on this card, it's card number 19. And the message is, I balance. And from the book, this is the quote, all my life, my heart has yearned for a thing I cannot name. And that's a quote from Andre Breton, B-R-E-T-O-N. And here's what the guidance from the book is for Libra. Don't go it alone. Linking up with a partner will serve you best. Libra is the sign of balance, charm, and beauty. Librans are notorious for their wit, ability to weigh and judge, as well as their appreciation for the beautiful things in life. They adore collecting striking things, that means objects and people. Librans are aesthetes. I guess that's just a person that's into aesthetics, with a love of art and literature that can at times be showy and vainglorious. Librans are known for changing their minds and opinions. What is true one day may not be the next. Because they are so balanced, they see all sides to every issue. But they tend to vacillate and have trouble coming to any final decision. Librans tend to have second thoughts and change their minds at the last minute. They will also float along waiting for matters to resolve on their own without pushing as hard as they need to. Librans make outstanding judges and negotiators. They can be agreeable, but sometimes agree to things they don't want, sacrificing what they truly feel and think just to get along. There is also the sarcastic Libra who loves to test his wit against others. Their quick-witted retorts are filled with sarcasm and sharp accuracy. John Lennon and Oscar Wilde are examples of the acerbic wit that Librans are so famous for. They also love playing devil's advocate, peculiar since this is the sign of balance and peace. And this is in a natural chart. Since Libra rules the seventh house of partners and marriage, those influenced by this sign do best in life with a partner. But it can be the sign of codependency, and many will pair up at the drop of a hat. Libra is the sign of lovers and romance. Although Libra is a masculine sign, Libran men understand women better than any other sign. When the Libra card turns up, it indicates you are riding the fence over something and need to make a decision soon. If you do not make your decision, it may be made for you. The potential for you not liking the end is high, if you do not act and decide soon. This is a favorable card for romance and relationships. It indicates a time where relationships are turning happier and more content. Right now, everything must be fair and balanced. It's important not to sacrifice your own feelings or desires simply because you hope to avoid a conflict. It will feel as if the middle approach is the smartest one now, and this is probably right. Courtrooms, law, and fairness should play into the matter. If you are involved in a court case and the surrounding cards are good, and the Libra card appears in the spread, it is a good indicator the issue will work out just the way you hope. The enforcement of rules may also apply. Legal documents will not only figure in, they will bring you benefits, especially benefits shared between you and a partner. This card can represent an impending marriage or an engagement. Relationships are about to move up a level to a more serious one. Feelings have matured. Happiness is achieved when you pool your resources with a significant other. Achievement will be found when you find the right person who mirrors your own ideals and beliefs. All matters worked on within sincere and equal partnerships shall prove to be successful to the utmost. Libra card in brief, partnerships, a wedding coming up, marital bliss, heart blessings, balance, seeing the danger and going to the extremes, weighing up both sides to come to the best conclusion, seesawing back and forth, Staying in the middle, fence riding, mediation, artworks, galleries, museums and places with live music, not wanting conflicts, being agreeable, playing along, keeping yourself in check, law enforcement, courts, attorneys and judges, bringing peace and acting as peacemaker, signing contracts, cosmetics and perfumes, fashion, hair salons, beauty, not seeing value in something unless it is beautiful, having a perfect eye and impeccable taste, creating something with great form and beauty, living the life of an artist, using wit, choosing a more laid-back approach, letting things take care of themselves. The corresponding to card is the Two of Pentacles and Key Ideas, Merging, Choices, romance, alliances, mutual support, coming to a decision. Very apt. (laughs) A good summary of things I already discussed. And definitely big themes and lessons for me in my own life. I shared about all this in the first season. With all of my stelliums kind of being on one side of the chart. And when things come on the other side the lessons really come online. And I'm really feeling that Chiron energy opposing everything I have in Libra. When I started this podcast, Chiron was opposing my opposing my son. So just breaking free of some of those habitual things that the Libra energy comes with and being more independent and stopping the people-pleasing tendencies and sticking up for myself and a lot of the things that that being part of my own healing journey have really come up when the other planets have been on the other side in Aries. So I can attest to everything that card said deeply because, you know, it's my son. (laughs) It's me. So yeah, all of that. And let's pull our card for today and we'll wrap up soon. I'll just do some current events Um, that we have happening at the end of the show and also a a request for feedback so i'll get into that momentarily so let's see what the peace warrior deck has to say for us today with this energy and being on the brink of this powerful total solar eclipse tomorrow truth seeker card number 38 defeat the antagonist within like that so let's see what the book says number 38 we can be our own worst enemy. That's kind of what's really coming up right now. And one of the other things before I read this is uh, one of the words that's been repeating a lot for me over the last few days from other people is the word grace. And I actually took a screenshot. Oh, let me do that first before I forget. I took a screenshot of this Instagram post I saw yesterday. I want to read it. It was about grace. If I can find it. Oh yeah. Okay. So it was a post from Diana Cooper from her unicorn deck and it was card number 41, law of grace. Be your divine essence. Dissolve all in grace. And her caption on this was grace is forgiveness. If you offer it to someone who has betrayed you, your heavenly gift breaks energetic link And sets you free it also fills out old space in your heart with love and generosity so I feel like that was a really good time to read that and now let's read from the book for this card page 94 turn right to it perfect thank you okay defeat the antagonist within the truth we seek comes from the words we speak Understanding that all of our internal and external communication have a vibration. If we believe that we are not good enough and constantly internally validate that belief, that is what we draw toward us. Be mindful of your inner communication and the messages you are sending out. Perception can be your deception. If you are not sitting with your truth on a soul level and the action for this card. Acknowledge what is coming up. Notice I said acknowledge, not judge. Write down some things that you feel. Don't try to sugarcoat this. Write what you feel. Ask yourself, is this a truth inside of me? Is this somebody's opinion or words? Pay attention to patterns in you. These are the lessons you need to work through. If you find yourself in the same situation with different people, then acknowledge you are drawing this to you. There is a lesson to work out. Spend time writing about when you first started feeling this way. It may go, oh, it may go way back, hang on, sorry. It may go way far back to childhood. Our parents and family did what they knew from what they learned. After you have written, release it. You may notice part three surfacing. This is good. Work with it as you did in the beginning. Be proud of yourself. Know that you are working toward the best, healthiest version of you. Many of us believe it's the symptoms of what doesn't feel right. We can grow when we go to the source of what creates the symptoms. With love and light, I send angels and warmth to you. And this is Colleen's personal message for this card in this deck. We are in a place where we are more awake to our emotions and feelings. I am writing a lot on letting go, releasing the old to let in the new. Even though the benefits of doing this are truly divine, it is hard and confusing. And the stuff placed in the hidden corners of us can feel downright painful. I know this because I, too, am on the journey and have had to work through the old. I have been receiving lots of questions as to the how. How do I let go? How do I go into a place of faith when all I feel is fear? What guarantee do I have that in the end I will feel better? You have two options. Stay where you are and fight the ebb and flow of life, or... Go into the unknown, knowing that it is going to be different, but it can be amazing. That is when you will find peace. Oh, that was so perfect. (laughs) I love it. I love it, love it, love it when the card summarizes everything that I talked about in the entire episode. So, I will leave everyone with that as far as the messages and the energies involved in working with everything i've already discussed especially about tomorrow's eclipse i am here i am here to offer support through everything we offer through sea goddess if you feel called to have a reading i'm thrilled to work with people especially around times of eclipses and intense planetary energies to just gain some clarity about what's happening Natal chart readings are available. If we've never worked together before, I have the one hour and the 120 minute option. That's two readings, two sessions. I also, if we've worked together before, have the check-in option available, either a half hour or an hour, and we can just kind of look at where everything is happening, where the eclipses are happening. If it's been a while, we can go even farther back if you want. We can talk about anything you want. Like I said, I've got that solar return reading offering there. So if you're if you've got a birthday coming up or just had one, perfect time to tap into the energy of your personal year ahead. As I shared in my personal story in this episode, it's uncanny the way that it unfolds and how the themes really do reveal themselves. And it's usually spot on. Just remember we need accurate birth information for those. And then working with your time lord is always really fun. I have a Jupiter altar candle that I've busted out. I'm going to start really doing some intentional work with Jupiter. To help me with the challenges and the energies and the cross, the grand cross and the squares that I have in my solar return chart. So I'm excited for that, especially tapping into the energy. Like I shared in the Dasha that I'm in, I'm in the Jupiter Dasha. So very cool things on the horizon, even though some of them seem a little challenging. But that's what we do. But we do the work and we pay attention to what that card said, especially it's choice. You can stay stuck or dive in and see what happens. So at this point in my life, I choose diving in. So what we have coming up, most importantly today, tonight, actually, witchcraft, the witchcraft festival in Hamilton. That's at the Passion Lakes Campground. And it's the theme I think was last year and this this year again, are you a good witch or a bad witch? And that is just a really cool event that I've actually never gone to yet. But Mandy will be there tonight with the Red by Christine, the Sage Lady team, doing readings. And they all have a whole tent there with a bunch of people. And you can get a tarot and oracle reading with several different people that will be there tonight and also tomorrow. So Mandy will be there both nights doing readings. So if you don't want a reading, that's cool. Just go check out the festival. It looks really, really cool. It's put on by the Good Time Tricycle Posse, I would say company. I don't know, but they do like AC Beer Fest, WC Food Festival, a lot of the bigger events and festivals that we have going on in Atlantic City, but also in South Jersey. So go check that out. Go see Mandy if you want a reading. And things are kind of quiet right now for me. I have October is usually a very busy month with uh, birthdays. <laughs> we have a lot of birthdays between both families in the month of October, or so. It's usually a quiet, quieter time for me with work and offerings. But like I said, I'm available for reading still. I'm looking forward to working with anybody who wants to check in or to have a needle chart reading with me. The lunar blends I brought back last month for the Aries full moon. I'm pretty sure I'll be doing one for the Taurus full moon at the end of this month. That will be posted in our store, and I'll do a social post and an email about it when it's ready for purchase. And we can talk about that more next time when we cover the lunar eclipse and the full moon in two weeks on the 28th. So there's that. And I'm trying to think, things are a little bit scattered right now. I have a couple things planned for next week where my time is crunched a bit. I'll put anything I'm forgetting in the episode notes. Um, I think the only other thing I wanted to mention is, like I said, request for feedback. So we're in season three. At this point, we've made it through the first six signs of the zodiac. We've got, we did Libra today. So we still have to do Scorpio, Sagittarius, Capricorn, Aquarius, and Pisces. And then we'll be wrapping up season three. I'm not quite sure yet. I'm still tapping in, obviously, as I shared in the beginning. I want this to be a very guided by spirit, guided by Chiron project, but I'm not quite sure what I want to do for season four at the moment. So I wanted to throw that out there and get some feedback from you. What do you want to learn about? What topics about Chiron in particular are interesting to you? What could be my focus for season four? I thought that I was going to start doing interviews. I feel like there's more Chiron content to cover. So it could be a mixed bag. I could do a little bit of that and a little bit of interview. I could start bringing people on. I'm and I'm open. I'm a, it's a clean slate for me at the moment. So the rest of the signs will take us through early next year. If I'm committed still to releasing on the, the, with, you know, with the moons, which I am, I feel like this is a really good pace for me right now. And I just love covering them in the astro weather checks. So I'm open to feedback. I'm open to suggestions and ideas. You can shoot me an email, ursaalchemy at gmail.com. And I would love to hear from you. I still always love to hear from anybody. Feedback is always appreciated or just saying hi and, you know, what you'd like about the show or areas for improvement. I'm open to that still too as well. So I'm throwing that out there and I will continue to throw that out there um, now, until the end of the season. So, I'm excited. I just love how it all came together today with the synchronicities in October 13th and episode 31. And I'm pretty much ending at 222. So, I've been going on for an hour at this point. So, I will wrap it up. And just thank you all so much for being here with me. Like I said, I love hearing from you. So, any feedback is appreciated. UrsaAlchemy at gmail.com. And I will be back with you before the full moon lunar eclipse at the end of the month. And especially under this energy right now, with the intensity and everything that I've shared, remember to be a maverick. Bye.